Our world started with a data explosion marked by an exponential growth in the volume, velocity, and variety of data being piped in and out of organizations. However, despite this new wealth in technology and data, businesses had never been so challenged to drive revenue growth, plagued by dark, siloed, unusable data, rendering their go-to-market motions useless. Until one day, the most courageous data heroes took back control of their company's most valuable asset transforming their customer data sets from a burden to a true system of insight, capable of automating sales motions, delivering personalized marketing programs at scale, and driving predictable revenue growth for their business. Welcome to the Data Heroes podcast powered by Ringlead. Well, welcome everybody again to a follow-up Talk Data to Me series, and we've got a very special guest today. Uh, it's Lauren McCormick, and Lauren is a newly acknowledged 2021 Marketo champion. Uh, she works at Neo4j and has had some amazing opportunities within her career and uh, you know, has an amazing network of peers that um, I'm sure you've drawn some amazing um, information from, but we're glad to have you today, Lauren. It's a pleasure to be here, John. Thanks for asking. Awesome. Well, um, you know, we have a, a really great audience. You know, there's a mix of business decision makers, technical, you know, implementers, and, you know, it could be sales ops, marketing ops. And we're always looking to kind of learn more about uh, you and um, what made you, what got you to the point you're in today and what you would doing, be doing if you weren't doing what you were doing today. So I think we'll just jump right in. Uh, put the spotlight right on you and ask you, um, you know, what was your journey like becoming a data hero? Oh, my goodness. I don't know if I'd use the phrase data hero, um, uh, but I can tell you a bit about how I ended up where I'm at today. Um, so I started off uh, out of school as a journalist, which I think is a powerful um, powerful way to start any career, right? Because you really learn how to tell stories and so much of marketing is, is storytelling, right? So um, kind of went um, in a natural progression uh, with with journalism into advertising and sales, which eventually um, put me into marketing. And when I, when I found marketing, I fell in love. You know, um, I was at a boutique digital agency that was doing um, direct response campaigns, some of the, the most interesting direct response campaigns early on and uh, really taught me a lot about um, optimization, you know, and the importance of um, landing on uh, the right kind of messaging um, the right call to action, the most compelling kind of campaign to really maximize ROI. So um, learning how to tell a story, learning how to quantify and measure and optimize for um, revenue uh, really kind of set me up nicely for marketing automation because when Marketo came out with their their uh, push for um, having a seat at the revenue table, that really res- resonated with me, you know, and I was lucky enough to um, meet up with a really visionary VP that um, wanted to implement uh, marketing automation and CRM at an insurance software company. And um, he and I spoke at length. Uh, I remember that there was a blizzard outside and uh, we talked until the snow was maybe three feet high. Uh, there was such a good chemistry there. Right. And um, it was a little bit of a, a, a tedious drive home, but it was a wonderful conversation. And, um, you know, I think this was right, right in the early days of Marketo. Um over a decade ago. And uh, it really revolutionized the company, right? So we went from um, a marketing organization at this insurance software company in Chicago that um, 
was doing uh, donut carts <laughs> weekly uh, or or uh, Christmas um, photos uh, or, or pictures with the Easter Bunny. We literally had an Easter Bunny uh, costume in a in a supply closet with our tchotchkes. Um, or like the summer, like uh, employee picnic to um, becoming revenue, uh, like an early model revenue ops department, which was super, super powerful at the time. And, um, you know, before I knew it, the, the Easter Bunny costumes were no more. And, you know, I had a seat at the boardroom table, um, which was really just a, a really transformative um, situation to be in. So it was it was an honor and a pleasure to kind of learn uh, at the ground floor with Marketo. Uh, but ever since, it's been exciting and just a. Uh, uh, mainly I, I really enjoy, uh, sharing, uh, the experiences, you know, the, the stories from the trenches, as it were, with other people to try and help make other people successful in the platform. So I think, you know, um, after years of, of, uh, being kind of a, an evangelist for the brand, um, it's really nice to see it all culminate. And, um, now I have opportunities like this to, to share information and thoughts, uh, for what they're worth with other people. So truly honored and, and uh, feel really fortunate for those opportunities. Yeah, that's really cool. I think um, most, you know, there's always this like story of aligning sales and marketing. And for sure, most salespeople or leaders would be happy to have the background of their, you know, marketing automation specialists to have a journalism, which we all love journalists because we need them to tell our stories. And I just think it's such a valuable skill. And then, there was also your other opportunity was, I mean, come on, direct response marketing is like, that's what we do, right? It was wonderful. It was wonderful. I look back so fondly. I still keep in touch with um, uh, Bridget and Jeff Korish that founded the company that I worked at. And they were amazing. They were Shark Tank before Shark Tank was a thing, you know, and such an honor to learn from such brilliant people. And we would test offers. I mean, um, cheesy as it sounds, Snuggy um, came to market, uh, you know, and, and several of the, the iconic brands of that boom, um, we beta tested them online. We would take a paid media test and just um, build out a website and see if indeed those offers could be um, optimized for a nice high average ticket that would result in millions and millions of dollars, sometimes, you know, over a really short period of time and we'd continually optimize, right? So um, it was like um, the ultimate test lab where you would see if Aqua performed better than Orange for a button or maybe adding a get started now or try it now or changing the URL name, you know, buy product versus get product, seeing, seeing what really tiny little tweaks you could make um, that would boost revenue. I mean, what a fun experiment. And it was a fun experiment yeah. every day. So that was, that yeah. was really a treat. And it's perfectly paired with technology too, because like, you know, again, I'm just going to go back to like a salesperson's dream is a direct response marketer who has access, uh, background in journalism. But again, um, I, I, I just see this as like, um, a lot of Marketo persona, um, you know, individuals yeah. are, you got different mixes, but some of them are from IT. They don't have that marketing background. And so we see a lot of nurture being the focus and life cycle management. But like, there's not like this expertise at the Marketo admin level of how to test demand gen and like landing pages, advertisements, you know, headlines. And I think to have that is super special. So um, maybe we'll dive in a little bit deeper there. But sure. I have another question for you, Laura. Um, Lauren, what would you be doing if you were not doing what you are today? It's an interesting question. Um, 
I, I just really enjoyed teaching. You know, um, in my undergrad, um, I was fascinated with 20th century poetry. Um, I always kind of thought like a um, university professor would be fun. I love, I love kids. I love people that love to learn. And I love just to, to get people excited about learning. Um, so probably I, I think I'd like to be teaching in, in some kind of capacity. Maybe one day I'll come back around to that. Maybe that, that'll be what I do in retirement or something, just an adjunct gig where, you know, I, I come in with my, my gray hair and, and, and sit down and try and talk and, and connect with younger people. I think, um, I, I think, um, I read a quote on LinkedIn that I thought was really um, interesting and I'm sure I won't get it, um, quite right, but it, it was food for thought. Um, you know, people, um, should have a mentor, that's younger than them. You know, it's important to be not, you know, always looking for your mentor um, in positions that are, um, you know, perhaps uh, people with more years of season experience. It's that fresh perspective that, that um, cross-generational teams can bring. I, I love, um, I love teaching and I love um, the, 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 the bright, um, fresh perspective young people bring to the table. So probably some teaching in some capacity. That's amazing. I like the idea of, of seeking mentors that are not just older, but also younger. And and again, you know, you want a marketer who wants to educate, right? It's like journalism. We got journalism. We got direct response and education. Okay, great. We love all those things. Um, now let's go into like why Marketo. It sounds like you kind of told us the story sure. is like you got in a room with a bunch of awesome people and you said, Hey, like we're going to go to market and got this platform Marketo, but um, now you've got this brand around yourself and the ecosystem and like, just tell us like why you chose to be this Marketo persona. Um, you know, um, back in um, the early days, the marketing crew um, under Maria Pergolino, um, back in the way back machine, uh, I just found really inspiring. I not only did I appreciate the product, right? I, I did a side by side kind of evaluation against other products. I found the UI um, in, in Marketo, even from the early days, even though some people kind of joke that it hasn't, you know, recently it's gotten refreshed, but that it stayed the same for quite some time, right? Um, but uh, I just found it to be much more intuitive. It was just in line with how I thought. I, I didn't like the spaghetti chartness, maybe, of some other tools. I thought in stacks, you know, I thought in the Lego block kind of configuration. Um, but uh, I was also really inspired by the outbound uh, uh, marketing crew that, that Marketo had in the early days. I thought their campaigns were wonderful. You know, I'm still, I'm still reciting some of the, the phrases like have a seat at the revenue table, right? Um, they, uh, really were, were kind of not only a, a means to an end and a vehicle, um, to execute on goals, but they were really, um, I think, uh, inspirational in the way that they went to market too. And just watching them kind of um, from their early days on just grow, whether it's their professional services department um, or their marketing department, or just to see them flourish and, 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 and um, do wonderful things as part of the Adobe um, family. Now it's, it's just been a really interesting journey to watch from a company perspective. Um, also from a platform perspective. That's pretty cool. It's a great journey. Um, for those of us who've been around that long and have seen it progress and had the first Adobe summit at, you know, in Las Vegas and it just blew up. It was huge. I remember when they used to do them at the Hilton, but, um, (laughs) so I, uh, I want to understand too, you know, you're a data hero, but sometimes (laughs) they're just like, uh, what, what do we call it? Um, 
dirty data disasters. Have, have do you have any stories about just like a dirty data disaster that you know oh, yes. you had to you had to address? Well, back when I was um, working uh, with Dave Lewis and and the Demand Gen crew, what a wonderful place! Like um, you know, when when I first came on board. Um, they were mainly an Eloqua shop. And um, there was one brilliant woman um, before me, Nova Kopitar. I was the second Marketo hire um, on the on the team. And, um, you know, I remember uh, consultative kind of questions um, where we would ask, you know, right at, when we were doing discovery calls, maybe sometimes pre-sale discovery calls, maybe sometimes um, onboarding um, and kickoff calls, uh, but definitely as part of the discovery, we'd often ask, you know, rate the quality of your data on a scale of one to 10 and one being horrifying and 10 being perfect. I mean, no one ever went, I think, higher than a six. I think everybody knows that um, inherently data comes with messiness, right? Um I was I was um, not at Dimension, but um, at another agency, and we did a master data management uh, project at a company where I was um, helping in a consultative role called Amberleaf, and and they were really a master data management kind of golden record uh, shop that was looking to get into the Marketo space. And um, this this wasn't necessarily a Marketo project, but I was asked to help out with um, a project at Keurig, where uh, we were looking to aggregate all of this data from the 80s whether it be like yeah on you know like qvc orders all the way through walmart orders through corporate orders for like machines that were brewers and giant headquarters in manhattan you know to people in their homes that have maybe bought multiple machines and have k-cup subscriptions and we needed to aggregate it all in the early days of recommendation engines to be able to find a a single source of the truth when it came to their customer data and B, to be able to be prescriptive to those customers. And that was a unique challenge because the data was in so many different disparate um, sources, you know, and to kind of um, not only make it actionable, but to make something wonderful out of it that actually um, impacted ROI and quickly, that was a pretty big challenge. Uh, But, you know, at the end of the project, we had this wonderful recommendation engine uh, where people could go in and talk about you know, in a, and take a survey, like a, like an online experience kind of before that was a thing. Um, and you would say, do you prefer the scent of, um, leather and chocolate to, you know, fruit, fruit, or, you know, and like, and, and we would like make it like, um, uh, like a sensory experience, um, for people. And it just, they were, they were having a horrible quarter and it managed to turn everything around in a wonderful way. Um, A, because the data was actionable and B, because it was a human experience. It wasn't, you know, taking the data, spinning it up and, and talking, um, to their, their old customers that maybe, um, had left and new prospects, um, you know, in really sterile clinical ways. It was, it was more about engaging them, um, in a, in a one-to-one way instead of a one-to-many that made it really feel personal. Like, and the recommendation, the personalization of it um, combined with, you know, cleaner data that wasn't just a messy kludge from <laughs> decades of acquisition uh, that made it a really cool project to work on. I was really honored to, to come out there and I never did get the free Keurig machine, but I, there is a wall in their headquarters um, where you can take as many cake cups as, as, as you'd like. And they have every different flavor. So my mom was pretty happy about that. Shout out to mom there. Hi mom. And That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. Towards the end there, you like, 
you mentioned what that data project basically culminated into and that's better personalization and that yeah. topic is really near and dear to me right like of course. again back to conversations getting people to respond to you it's like do the math if you speak to them in a personalized way where you know they have a need or an interest an affinity then you're probably going to get a response at a higher rate and so mm-hmm. um one of the things that our listeners just just love to hear about is like, what do you think is, you know, the the way or, you know, what's your methodology to profiling a business's data when you come in as, as new? Like, how do you know what the ideal account or contact targets are? You know, everybody wants to do ABM and all these targeted campaigns, but like, are they targeting the right data? And, and do you yeah. have any kind of secret methodology around this? So um, I, I, I do. And it's, it's a little bit less terminus school and a little bit more um, solution selling, right? So um, I, I kind of omitted a piece, um, probably an important piece um, in the journey for me. Um, in between journalism and, and direct response, I was um, also in sales. I was an award-winning salesperson, actually, in, in newspapers and magazines. And um, we were trained uh, pretty extensively in solution selling. And, and what's really compelling, I think, um, uh, you know, we also practiced solution selling at um, the, the software company where, where I worked. And it was really interesting to see um, through the sales lens what that training looks like and then through the marketing lens what that sales training and marketing training looks like, right? So um, from the sales side, of course, you're, you're thinking through how to negotiate and have conversations one to one and to really close deals. On the marketing side of things, you're figuring out how to speak one to many, but make it still feel one to one. And that's something that Marketo does really well. I mean, if you don't um, design messaging and content that feels like you're talking at someone, but rather that you're talking with them, suddenly you're in the drift model. You're in that CQL conversation qualified lead sort of school of thought, where instead of just trying to move people through um, a marketing funnel without touching or talking to them, suddenly, you know, it's a very powerful thing when you actually want a two-way conversation, right? And I think solution selling for marketing really um, helps me look more at people than it does at data, right? Um, there was there was um, a definite big piece of win-loss interview um, research where you're actually picking up the phone, talking to, to flag-waving fans, talking to people that can't stand your product, that that maybe um, also people in between that evaluated and went to a competitor. You really, instead of looking them, at them as data points, need to be able to see them as people. And once you start um, looking at your data as a manifestation of actual human beings and what they love and what they what, what makes them tick, it's transformational. I mean, granted, you have to clean it. There needs to be master data management. You got to find the golden record. You know, you got to go through that whole exercise to make sure that what you're looking at is an accurate representation of people. But, you know, um, instead of being theoretical and hypothetical and looking at buckets and thinking of them as your job, when you start thinking about them as human beings that perhaps do have um, similarities and commonalities, um, it's the, the paths just kind of becomes much more clear. And especially when you validate um, those hypotheses with actual human beings and pick up the phone and, and, you know, um, connect with your salespeople, um, ride along with them. You know what I mean? And then you'll start to see those buckets and actual human beings and um, validating your, your, what you think, you know, 
about um, those data um, categories, right? Those personas, those segmentations, if you want to get Marketo-y about it, you know, validating what you think you know, instead of um, kind of keeping along like what you've done is what you've always done and what you should do. So you know that you have, you know, um, uh, commercial, residential and business, you know, I mean, think, think deeper about it and really, you know, go through a persona exercise where, um, you actually validate that on, on human beings. I think that, that's always been really helpful. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, um, there's a, that Nikito concept, like um, in solution selling, where um, they say that nothing important happens in the office, right? What does that mean? Well, it means um, the more that you can not speak in um, alphabet soup and acronyms about, you know, your KPIs and your metrics and what you're being helped to do and your greater purpose and how you're trying to help the people on the receiving end of your content, um, you know, the data becomes powerful when it reflects how you can empower those that, that you're communicating to. Yeah, I think that's definitely powerful messaging. And it's it, 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 there's nothing that can align you more with your sales team than, the, yeah. you know, the, the ride along process, you know, just getting more involved and understanding, you know, how they're presenting the material, what they're presenting. It could be completely different. And I totally. think that aligning those those two things is amazing. You know, we're, we're running up close to the end here. So I want to ask you um, for, you know, those of us Marketo users who aren't as advanced or maybe don't stick um, to, you know, following the, the newest announcements as much as uh, some of the others, what do you think are like two or three things that, you know, we should as you know, people that are following Marketo keep our eye on, you know, in the next three, four months. So, you know, are there new features or functionalities that are just game changers or anything that the champion community is just raving about? Well, without revealing product strategy, <laughs> perhaps that we're able to, to, to get a little bit more exposed to than the general public. Um, you know, I think it's just, you know, you'll find um, a lot of people in the industry thinking and talking around data warehousing. You know, and not that that's a Marketo feature functionality, but I think it's going to be such a powerful um, and transformative industry discussion around how we collect and aggregate our data, right, where we keep it and what we bring in and what we don't bring in and, and how that all flows um, and how we um, make people aware of what we know and what, how we act upon it. So I think, you know, uh, data warehousing is going to be a really big topic in the industry moving forward. That's great feedback. I'm seeing, uh, I guess I'm going to take you a minute longer if you can, but um, the CDP is kind of this warehouse for marketers. So, um, you know, is it, do you see Marketo admins having to kind of look out for the CDP and having to learn it uh, because it may be kind of replacing some functions or is it completely complementary? I think we just have to be good data stewards, right? Um, it's just like when you integrate a, a marketing automation with CRM, don't bring everything over just because you can, right? Don't, don't, don't map every field just because it's there. I think, you know, um, there'll always be a place for, for marketing ops and it's just a natural evolution as, as companies accumulate more and more data that we have to figure out what's actionable and that can't be automated and that can't be phased out, right? So I think, um, we're the necessary connective tissue, um, that facilitates what's getting passed on to sales as well. So, you know, I think just being a good data steward and um, evolving along with the amounts of information that we're receiving uh, is the best way to, to just stay relevant and, and to, to do the most good for, for your prospects, your customers and your company. Well, um, 
you guys heard it here from Lauren, and she was amazing. We really appreciate you on the show today. I um, think you're doing tremendous work and, um, you know, been part of tremendous organizations. I mean, Demand Gen, Neo4j, I love these companies. Um, and we'd love to have you on the show again sometime soon so we can dive oh. deeper in some of these topics. But um, we really do appreciate you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much, John. The pleasure is all mine and uh, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thanks for asking me and I'd be happy to come back anytime.